Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Tom Hartman here with you. Gary Kasparov says, I think his analysis is absolutely accurate. He says, I think if Trump has one chance of staying in power by violating, if not the laws, but some kinds of traditions, he will definitely use it. He goes on to say, that's why giving Trump any chance of surviving politically and staying in power would be disastrous for America. It will lead to the collapse of the alliances like NATO and many American allies Every country will have to make and cut deals with authoritarian regimes just to survive. So if Trump continues to destroy America and take us down this path that he has for three and a half years, what's going to happen is, and and has already happened to a large extent, although I think the whole world is holding its breath waiting for sanity to return in six months, but basically the rest of the world is like, okay, we're on our own. We can't count on Trump to do this. And just an example of how, how bizarre and corrupt these guys are. Back in 2014, when they were doing pandemic planning, the Obama administration cut a deal with Philips, which is a, a manufacturing company based out of, uh, I believe, Holland. It might be Finland or Denmark, but anyhow, it's a European company. They make real high-end ventilators. And the Obama administration cut a deal to buy 10,000 of these high-end ventilators for $9,300 a unit. And they were supposed to be delivered... They were supposed to be delivered, drum roll, by June of 2019. So June of last year. So Trump comes into office. Now, you know, the order's there. Phillips has started making these things. Trump comes into office and and Phillips says, do you want us to speed up production? Do you want us to continue production? Are you going to change your policy? And for six months, the Trump administration doesn't even respond to the inquiry until January. Well, actually, it was in January, Phillips reached out again to the Trump administration and said, hey, you know, we were supposed to deliver these ventilators six months ago. Do you still want them? And again, for six weeks, the Trump administration did not respond to Phillips' offer. And then finally, at the last minute, the Trump administration said, yeah, yeah, we'll take them, we'll take them. And at that point, Phillips was like, okay, what are you willing to pay? And the Trump administration said, well, we'll give you $50,000 a unit. Keep in mind, the contract with Obama said $9,000, but Trump had blown that up. Phillips wasn't asking 50 grand. Trump offered it. 
And so Phillips is like, okay, cool. We'll get them to you by the middle of 2021 now. I mean, it, it's like just the, the, the incompetence, the lying. I got this email from uh, Eric Trump yesterday. Fred, you are not going to believe this. I have been sorting through my father's top supporters, top in all caps, trying to put together a roster for the Trump Donor Hall of Fame, and I came across your file. And then there's this little block where it says Donor File, Supporter. It's got my name. It says State Oregon, Donor Since July 29th, 2016. Excuse me, 2020 Campaign Gift Cycle 2. I've sent the money twice. Once was to get the Trump coloring book. And then it says lifetime total $30. Okay, so that's how much I've sent them. And then he says, and then back to Eric Trump. Wow, you should be proud of everything you've accomplished for our movement. My father and I have noticed your dedication, Thomas, which is why I'm reaching out with an exclusive one-time offer for you to go down in history in the Trump Donor Hall of Fame. Now imagine some 80-year-old person who watches Fox News and gets an email like this and goes, Wow, the president and the president's son are reaching out to me personally? It goes on to say, this is a very prestigious group of my father's best supporters, best in all caps. And he really wants you, you in all caps, to be a part of it. But I can only hold your spot for one hour. After that, I'll be forced to reach out to the next eligible patriot. Please contribute $30 immediately and you'll automatically get your name cemented in the Trump Donor Hall of Fame. And it's got a picture of Donald Trump standing in front of a bunch of plaques that say Trump Donor Hall of Fame. So you're imagining that, you know, he's going to inscribe my name on a plaque and it's going to hang in the White House and all, just for a $30 gift. And, and his son sent me this by, to my name and said, my father and I have been looking over our donors and we came across you. I have never gotten an email like this from any politician in my whole entire life. This is a classic con job. This is a grift. I mean, how do we, how do we make it through this? This is insane. Ken Klippenstein is on the line with us. He's the D.C. correspondent with The Nation magazine. Twitter handle is Ken Klippenstein, K-L-I-P-P-E-N-S-T-E-I-N, or at The Nation. And thenation.com, of course, is the website for The Nation. Ken, brilliant article, how the DHS can still arrest journalists in Portland. Lay this out for us. You've done the deep dive on this. Go for it. Yeah, so this is really an extraordinary case in which the Oregon Attorney General filed suit against the Department of Homeland Security. Very unusual to see, you know, uh, feds at each other's throats like this. And that lawsuit that they filed sought to get an injunction wherein the DHS wouldn't be able to uh, arrest reporters, journalists, use tear gas on them, those sorts of things. Now, that wasn't entirely successful, but ACLU ended up filing a subsequent lawsuit sort of under the Oregon Attorney General's, and that one was partly successful, got the judge to issue some restraining order against Fed's treatment of journalists and, and protesters. What I found from a source of mind within Department of Homeland Security was that they were given legal guidance, and it seems like they went to great efforts to keep this internal. They labeled it law enforcement sensitive, which carries very serious administrative penalties if you release it. And it basically told them how to skirt and how to sort of get around some of this restraining order. So, for example, while the restraining order prevents DHS officials from specifically targeting journalists with tear gas, 
they're still allowed to expose journalists incidentally. That's the term they use, incidentally. It's a, so don't it's shoot a, the tear uh, gas canister at the reporter who's standing there with the word press across his chest. Shoot it at the guy next to him. Exactly. That's a loophole you could drive a, a, a truck through. Has there been any apparent change in the behavior of federal officers who are you know, in Portland or in other cities as a consequence of this? Yes, I do think that the restraining order was still a constructive measure and it you know, prevented them from doing some of the worst things. So, for example, they can't just arrest journalists for failing to disperse, which is, I believe, something they were doing prior to this restraining order. Mm-hmm. So they, they can still arrest journalists, but they have to have what's called probable cause for some other crime or some other infraction besides that. So that's still good. It's just unfortunate that DHS instantly tries to find ways to coach their employees. And, you know, sources of mine within DHS that don't like this mission, they'll tell you the same thing, which is that this is sort of a wink and a nod telling people, you know, you don't, you know, there's the spirit of the law and then there's the letter of the law. The cops, they understand what this means. So has it improved? I would say it's improved just because there's been something of a drawdown. So, for example, earlier today, the Wall Street Journal, no great far left enthusiast publication, said that, you know, for one of the first nights, there's peace in Portland now. And the reason for that is that a lot of the feds have been uh, taken off this mission. And so that, I think, begs the question, you know, why were they sent there if as soon as, uh, you know, a lot of the federal force was removed? Oh, they were sent there to make a campaign ad for, 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 for Donald Trump. I mean, they, and, and they've got their footage. In fact, they, they, uh, they put a fence around one part of the federal building that was very, very heavily covered in graffiti, specifically so that they couldn't clean the graffiti. All the buildings around there, they clean them up every morning, and, and including power washing off of the graffiti. But that one building looks like something out of a movie set, like a war zone movie set, and that's where they've been shooting all these Trump campaign commercials. And they always, you know, in the evening, they always be sure to get that part of the building with that camera angle. And that's what shows up on Fox News. And it makes it look like the whole city is a war zone when it's one side of one building. I think you're exactly right. That's also the attitude of certain individuals within DHS who, you know, I've known for some time now. And they themselves are not, you know, left wing activists by any means. And they are um, angered and uh, annoyed at that they have to carry out what many of them regard as political theater instead of the work that they would prefer to be doing, which maybe is tracking criminal gangs, looking at um, child trafficking. <laughs> what, a, what a novel <laughs> idea. But isn't having your federal police agencies engage in political theater a violation of the Logan Act? Or the Hatch Act? I guess it would um, be the Hatch Act. It is, but be. Yeah. it certainly is. But what you're seeing is an administration that does not, I don't think, regard Congress as a co-equal branch of government. Um, I know people on the Hill who uh, conduct oversight of the Homeland Security Department, and they say they often just won't respond to queries that they have. They won't disclose information that they are you know, legally required to do so. And the problem is that the only oversight we have of um, the executive branch increasingly has become SCOTUS, which we know has conservative majority and is not willing to go toe-to-toe with Trump on many issues. And then with respect to Congress, they don't have the Senate. So the extent of what they can do is kind of pull funding um, here and there, which I wish they would consider more because they haven't done enough of that. But really, we have a failure of oversight. Well, that's going to that's that that, that would require the cooperation of Mitch McConnell. And Mitch McConnell is totally in bed with, you know, any kind of fascism you want to bring to this. You know, Mitch McConnell, you know, when Anthony Scalia died a year before an election. 
Mitch McConnell said, oh, well, you know, <laughs> that black guy in the White House, we're not going to give him an, an opportunity to, to pick a Supreme Court nominee. Or maybe he was thinking that Democrat in the White House. I'm guessing he was thinking both. And now he said, well, you know, if, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg or somebody, you know, another Democrat kicks off, we will replace that. Or for that matter, they're leaning on Clarence Thomas to resign so that they can put in a 30-year-old, you know, or a 40-year-old. So it's just all nakedly political. Do you think that DHS is going to put up with this? I mean, certainly at its higher levels, I realize at the very top, it's Trump toadies, you know, but but you would think that some of the senior professional staff would be looking at this with horror. They are. That's why people like myself and not just me, but other reporters are getting leaks. Leaks don't happen on accident. You know, these are individuals with some integrity that are putting their, you know, livelihoods on the line to disclose this information at a time you know, where unemployment is through the roof and, you know, we're living through a pandemic, you have to really believe in something, I think, in order to come forward with stuff like this. And so you are seeing a lot of dissension within the ranks, which, again, a lot of these guys are conservative. This isn't a partisan thing. They just believe, you know, rightly in my view, that the administration is undermining their mission in a way that, um, as was described to me, they won't be able to recover their credibility with the public for years to come. Well, and the same could be true of our elections. I mean, today Trump is doing everything he can to damage belief, faith and belief in our elections because he knows he's going to lose one and he's going to claim that uh, it was fraud. It's like this, yeah, is, this, really this seems to be his campaign. Ken, Ken, we're going to hit a break here in just a few seconds, but uh, and, and my, my apologies, we've got about 20 seconds, but why do you think Trump is so aggressively trying to dismantle American institutions and destroy credibility in American value systems? I think that when you look at an agency like DHS, which is uniquely responsive to the executive branch and the president and was designed to be such, they are not neutral in the same way that the Justice Department is. You see an example of Trump trying to move power towards agencies that will be responsive to his wishes and make the presidency and the executive more powerful. I think that's the general thrust of... So he's doing it to, to enhance his own power. Yeah, makes perfect I believe sense. So. Ken Klippenstein, he's uh, writing for The Nation, thenation.com. You can uh, check out his most recent pieces titled How the DHS Can Still Arrest Journalists in Portland. It's brilliant. Thanks, Ken, for dropping by. Thanks for having me. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Dr. Justin Frank, a psychoanalyst and clinical professor at the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Science at George Washington University, author of Trump on the Couch and Obama and Bush on the Couch as well. His Twitter handle, Justin Frank MD, is on the line with us. Dr. Frank, welcome back. Why do you think it is that um, Donald Trump seems so aggressively interested in actually destroying our democratic uh, republic. He, you know, the, 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 the key, uh, Thomas Paine said, the beating heart of democracy is the vote. Donald Trump is trying to destroy our belief in our election systems. Why would he do that and so many of the other things he's doing that are literally tearing this country apart? Well, it depends. Hi, Tom. It depends on how deep you want to go. So I'm not sure how to answer that question since I'm a psychoanalyst. And it might not make sense. We've got about four minutes or five minutes, so (laughs) whatever you can do in that. No problem. (laughs) If we have four minutes, God, that's like a whole analysis. Here's the thing. He wants to destroy anything that has to do unconsciously with his father. And that includes the fathers of our country and the founding fathers. He wants to destroy our republic because he wants to destroy ever having to rely on the past. 
he really hates a lot of things in his childhood. The second thing is he wants to destroy our belief systems. The reason he lies is because he was lied to as a little boy when his parents told him they loved him. So for the rest of his life, he's been lying to everybody else. He was first lying in order to build his career, in order to improve his self-esteem when he had reading problems. And then later in life, now as president, he's actually lying to save himself. The third thing is that the reason he wants to destroy our voting system is that he needs to be able to continue to project, which means he needs to continue to disavow who he is. And the only way he can do that is by breaking down things that are essentials of our democracy. And by that, for instance, he sent out a tweet the 3rd of August in all caps, and it said, something like fake news is the enemy of the people and that was a double projection in all caps because he is the fake news he makes everything up including recently about the coronavirus also about the violence in portland also i mean he's been making things up his whole presidency about those big uh, groups of people coming up from the south to the fence and all that But the second thing is he's projecting the fact that it's the enemy of the people, that fake news is the enemy of the people. He's actually, therefore, telling the truth about himself. He, Donald Trump, who is fake news, is also the enemy of the people because Mm. he is undermining American democracy. Right. You recently called him psychotic. That's a very specific and strong label. Please explain. It's a strong label outside of the medical profession, but in my profession, it's not such a strong label because there are lots of aspects of psychosis, and maybe it was too... People think that if you're psychotic, a lot of lay people think that if you're psychotic, it means you can't tie your shoes and you walk around talking to yourself and wearing, you know, a tin hat and everything. That's just not true. Psychotic has to do with a thought disorder. It's about a disorder of thinking, and it's so profound that you cannot assess what's real and what isn't. You cannot do what's called reality testing. If you have compromised reality testing, you are on the edge of being psychotic, especially if it's chronic and it's consistent. Is this why he says that testing is what gives us all these cases of coronavirus? That's correct. He says that testing gives us all the cases of coronavirus. That's a psychotic thought. He has what's called a thought disorder. That's a classic example, but we're so used to normalizing him that and accepting the fact that he has all these weird thoughts. They're all, there's so many that are psychotic. You can make a list of them. He is a textbook psychotic person. Now, there used to be a term called psychotic character, which is maybe what he is. I don't know. So, Professor Frank, what do we do with this? How should Americans respond to a psychotic president? The main thing to respond to is to try to not believe anything he says and not give him too big of a bully pulpit, to not continue to do those things. The second obvious thing is to mobilize, 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 and make sure he's voted out in November. But there needs to be some safeguards set up by the politicians to make sure we're safe from him being more psychotic while he's president, because he still will be president until January 20th. So I think that there needs to be some safeguards set up in the White House guarding him. He needs to be quarantined in some way. I don't know how to do it. 
Dr. Justin yep. Frank, his book is uh, Trump on the Couch. And Dr. Frank, thanks so much for dropping by today. It's always great talking. Thank talk. you. Okay. Dr. Frank, uh, you can tweet him at Justin Frank MD. How do we deal with a psychotic president? Your thoughts? Tom Harvin here with you and Jay in Asheville, North Carolina. Hey, Jay, what's on your mind today? You know, I have some friends who are progressive Bernie supporters, ones in your neck of the woods. We were talking the other night, and he says, you know, the Republicans and the Democrats said nothing about Afghanistan, and Trump is trying to get us out. I don't know how to respond to him. I'm not buying it, but I wanted to hear what you would say to something like that. If Trump wanted us out of Afghanistan, Jay, we would be out of Afghanistan. Anything that says Trump is trying is BS. You know, full stop, right? Trump is trying to get us a national health care program. Trump is trying to bring jobs back to America. Right. This is what Trump says. Look at what he does, not what he says. Scott in Portland. Hey, Scott, what's up? I know we all have a long wish list of things that we'd like to do when and if we can important starting point is to generate government income. And to do that, I recommend that we raise tax rates on high earners and corporations, lift the social security limits, and fund the IRS in order to get the mechanism to get that money back in. And then we can go on a spending spree and do all the fun things we want to do. Yeah, we need to roll back the Reagan tax cuts. It's that simple. I mean, the Reagan tax cuts began this process that began the process of destroying the American middle class and building a billionaire class. We didn't even have a billionaire in 1980. There were no billionaires in America. I mean, there were people worth hundreds of millions of dollars, but there were no billionaires. Ronald Reagan brought us billionaires. And, yeah, and uh, you he, know, enough already. And, and he raised rates on Social Security, which was the biggest tax raise in our history. Oh, he doubled the Social Security tax and he cut Social Security benefits. This all took place in 1983, as I recall, and kind of phased in. In fact, the last year of the phase, and I think it was last year, the last year that you could qualify for benefits when you were 65. Now you've got to be 67. And back in the 80s, you could literally, if you were over 65, and didn't live in a super expensive city or something, you could literally live on Social Security. Today, good luck. Very, very hard to live on Social Security. So, yeah, I'm with you. Thanks a lot for the call. Phyllis in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hey, Phyllis, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. I was talking with a neighbor of mine who works out as a letter carrier out of our local station. He said he and the other workers were doing massive overtime. So obviously the message from the new postmaster general has not gotten down to the suits at his station to say no overtime. He said that the reason that that people are not getting the mail is because there are massive no-shows at work. He said that so many people are staying home because they have covid They're being quarantined because of COVID. They're taking care of people who have family members who had COVID, or they're just scared of COVID and are not coming out. That's interesting. There was an article in one of your local newspapers there in Philadelphia that I read over the weekend suggesting that in at least one postal station, the the order had come down. It's you had to sort mail by hand. You can't use the sorting machines. Um, if I'm remembering this correctly, which would uh, lead to arguably massive overtime. Uh, That's fascinating. Uh, Phyllis, if you learn any more, let us know and keep us up to date. Thank you for the call. Gary in Arlington Heights, Illinois. Hey, Gary, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Um, As a 36-year-old retired letter carrier, union steward and branch officer, 
I'll call your mm-hmm. attention to U.S. Code, Title 18, okay? Uh, 1701 says, lay of, uh, addresses civilians, uh, whoever knowingly or willfully obstructs or retards the passage of mail. 1703, whoever being a Postal Service officer or employee uh, detains, delays the mail. It is a violation of federal law, and the Postmaster General is not exempt. Okay? Wow. You cannot wow. delay. You, you cannot delay first-class mail. Not the big man, not the supervisor, not the carrier. I represented so Gary? carriers. Yeah, Gary, The uh, given that this is federal code, that means that the man who would have to enforce that law who would have to hold the attorney, the no. postmaster general accountable would be Bill no. Barr, the head of the Justice Department, no, is it not? U.S. states attorneys, uh, Democratic states attorneys uh, association can file suit against uh, DeJoy personally, not just the post office. Right, but they can't hold him. I mean, you know, you you are citing criminal statute. You can't. You can't. Uh, I don't believe. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you, you can't enforce a criminal law without the, you know, the, the Department of Justice, a federal criminal law. You, get, you, go, you go to federal court and let Barr sit there and say, oh, we're not going right. to enforce it? Uh, right. Yeah, right. So you're, right. So you're going to use the courts to try to force him to do it, and he's going to successfully put that off until January. Um, no, I mean, this is what Trump is doing with his taxes right now. Oh, uh, <laughs> Um, you can't stop it from going into courts, and they've been embarrassed before going to the courts. Yeah, yeah. No, Gary, thank you for the information. That's that's uh, you know a, a useful next step. But uh, I, I just you know I'm, I'm I'm thank you. I'm just very concerned that any attempt to use the courts at this point in time is going to be too little, too late. Zach in North Hollywood, California. Hey, Zach, what's on your mind today? Morning, Tom. You know, we got here on a 40-year media diet of right-wing buzz phrases and buzzwords, as you're well aware, uh, and and a compromised FCC. So my suggestion uh, for your question this morning is is what do we do? And Mm -hmm. for people who think, I have to stipulate, but it's simple. All we have to do is determine the difference between truth and pure propaganda. Then act accordingly. It's simple. Yeah, except that in areas of opinion, one man's truth is another, or one person's truth is another person's fiction. I I think that, you know, if you want a, a reducible bottom line, uh, the, you know, the, the, the bottom line to which all of the attacks against democracy can be, can be reduced, it would be money in politics. It seems to me that getting money out of politics, you know, banning political activity of all corporations, period, full stop, just like we uh, at law banned political activity by churches. Now, that ban is not being enforced by this administration, and it was not by the, by the Bush administration, but it's there. Um, ban that political activity. And then also... Um, put very, very clear campaign limits and, and, and end PACs and super PACs and all this other nonsense and just get money the hell out of politics. But it it's seems not like that's just the most straightforward politi- way. 
but Tom, it's not just political activity. That's where we go wrong. The media has to have a big mitt in that action. The media has. Oh, to sure. And, and, the, and the way action. to deal with that is to break up big media. Well, not only that, you know what my suggestion is? Make the FCC part of the DOJ and give them teeth where they can go out and just just take people right off the air if they start demonstrating fascistic tendencies. That's it. Yeah, I don't. I don't want an official censorship force, uh, and I don't want the FCC having police powers. And the FCC does a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, they regulate free. Most of what they do is is make sure that you know uh, airplane transmissions don't interfere with CB radio transmissions and stuff like that. You know, they they you know they they monitor and police and regulate the uh, radio frequency spectrum, and now increasingly the light spectrum. Wow. Yeah, that's 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 most of what they do. As a ham radio operator, I'm licensed by the Federal Communications Commission. As a broadcast engineer, back in the day when I was, this was back in the 60s, I was licensed by the FCC. I had a radio wow. telephone operator's license, uh, in, which you had to have back in those days in order to work in a radio station. You had to know how to turn the transmitter on and off, basically, which, which I did every morning when I came into the station. And so, you know, the, I don't think giving that agency police, I, I get what you're saying, but if, you know, if you want, if you look at when America had a diverse, a politically diverse media landscape, it was prior to the mid 90s. And what happened in the mid-90s that changed that equation was the signing in 1996 of the Telecommunications Act by Bill Clinton. And it wasn't just Bill Clinton's fault, obviously. You know, this was a totally bipartisan uh, thing. Um, uh, And the Telecommunications Act did some good things and did some terrible things. And the main terrible thing that it did is it did away with ownership rules. It used to be that if you owned a radio station in a town, you couldn't also own a TV station and or a newspaper. Uh, you, you had to pick one of the three, and if you had one in one town, you couldn't pick. You couldn't own one, another one in that state. You could have one in another state, maybe if you had a home in that state. Depending on the state, states had rules, states had laws, and all this kind of stuff. All that got blown up in in, in the middle of 1996, and that's where all, that's what brought us this. Chaz in Lakewood, Washington. Hey, Chaz, what's up? Hello, comrade. Another glorious day, et cetera, et cetera, huh? In Trumpistan, yes. What's, yes, what's on your mind? Yeah, I was told. I was told get to the point, Charles. Uh, I, I just want to know when history looks back on this period of time, and yes, we are living perhaps in the most historical times of our lives. Uh, when you write the book, how many volumes is that going to be? Well, I wrote the book. Um, I was editing it this weekend. I just got it back from the copy editor, The Hidden History of Oligarchy. And it's basically about, you know, the rise of oligarchy in the United States. It's happened two times in the past. It happened in the South in the period of time from 1820 to 1860 and led to the Civil War. And then it happened nationwide in the period from 1890 to 1930. And it led to the Great Depression. And in both cases, those were major reboots of our country. Now it's been happening since the election of Ronald Reagan. We've got a 40-year rise of oligarchy now, and we're at terminal oligarchy. And the question is, are we going to fight it back for a third time successfully, or are we going to succumb to it? Is it going to destroy our our constitutionally limited republic? Yeah, think of 20,000 lies have been told so far to categorize, though, would would take multiple books, not accounting for his actions. I fear for, uh, you know, if uh, Mr. Biden gets the election, he's going to have years of work ahead of him just to try to get uh, the democracy back on track. And it's never been in a more delicate balance than it is right now. 
Oh, and the biggest the biggest challenge he's going to have are Trump humpers like Jim Jordan, who are still going to be in Congress. I mean, there's there's a bunch of them. Now you've got you know, over 30 QAnon people running for for political office around the country, including a couple of them running for the U.S. House of Representatives. One of them actually has a good shot of winning. So, uh, you know, this is not going to go away with Donald Trump. And we really need to be having a conversation about how do we basically Trump proof America. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
So would you like to watch the Tom Hartman program? All three hours. Patreon.com slash Tom Hartman, T-H-O-M-H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N, all run together. Special content that we put up every single week that is unique specifically to our Patreon page. So check it out. Patreon.com slash Tom Hartman. Thank you. David in Menquin, Wisconsin. Hey, David, what's up? It's uh, Mequon, Wisconsin, Tom, just to be clear. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, really quickly, I just wanted to uh, point to some examples uh, that I think are pertinent to uh, what we were talking about with the voter fraud. If you look back at the Atlantic, uh, July 24th, uh, the New York City primary absentee ballots, 20% uh, were considered messed up. And you got lawsuits all over the place in Patterson, New Jersey, just which is the third largest city. David, what's your point? Where are you going with this? Well, the council people there, the council president, along with the elect, were just caught. Let's for let's start with your fraud. point, David. What's your point? What I'm saying is there is election fraud going on, and that it, we have no, to. No, this realize. is not election fraud. Oh, yes, there is election fraud going on. Absolutely, Brian Kemp committed massive election fraud down in down in Georgia when he threw you know tens of thousands, uh, nearly a million African Americans off the voting rolls. This has been happening in state after state that are controlled by Republican secretaries of state. You've got states where where they you know you've got vote by mail coming because people don't want to get sick and die. And and these red states are saying, no, we're not going to change the rules. And it's happening in New York state as well. And I wish, uh, you know, somebody I wish some reporter would stick a microphone in front of Andrew Cuomo and say, why aren't you cleaning up your own state? Um, Because, you know, we've got some serious problems here. There there is going to be an election. The Democrats passed out of the House of Representatives H.R. 1, the very first piece of legislation that was passed when Nancy Pelosi took over um, a year and a half ago as Speaker of the House. H.R. 1 provided for an election integrity, election security. It funded the elections. It gave a lot of money to the states to do this and said, you know, we're going to have safe, reliable, predictable, non-fraudulent elections. And Mitch McConnell said, no, we're not going to even consider this. Us Republicans rely on election fraud in order to stay in power. They have for 40 years now. And, and they're, they're you know, hell-bent for leather that they're going to continue to. Bob in Minneapolis. Hey, Bob, what's up? Yeah, Tom, uh, I don't have any answer to the psychotic uh, other than we vote him out. But it, I, need, I need to know if yeah. you can expound on the, the, whole, the idea that, that what we're getting ready for in October is one, my wife calls it a Hail Mary, but I think, I think that they will, uh, the Republicans and Trump will do everything they can to make good on everything that we want right now come October, because that will sway the masses to the voting that they want. And then the moment there that he's back in, it goes back to what it is today. So why is it not obvious that this is what is about to happen in the country? Well, this is the last caller, Bob. This is this was, you know, I'm I'm assuming that he wasn't just some guy that that he was probably a Republican operative. They are doing these people actually, you know, I've been very reluctant through the 16 years I've been doing this show to ever characterize anybody as hating America. But if these guys don't hate America, then they hate American values. They hate the values of 
of democracy, you know, a small d democracy. They hate the values of a republic. They want to have an autocracy. They want to have a strongman government. They're doing everything they can to bring a strongman government about. And step one to destroying a democratic republic like the United States, step one is to do what the last caller did, which is we've got problems with our elections. We can't trust our elections. Don't believe it when they tell you that Donald Trump lost. Don't believe, you know, and, and, and other Republican candidates, they didn't actually lose. No, those, those Democrats, you know, et cetera. They are willing to destroy our country to hold on to political power. And we have been watching this from, from billionaires like the Koch brothers and, and their buddies for 40 years now burrowing their way in things like ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council, where you get one-on-one with Republican state legislators and lobbyists. They sit one, literally one-on-one, 100 legislators, 100 lobbyists. They all sit together. They work, you know, the, the lobbyists bring pre-written legislation. The Republican legislators shovel it into state, states all over the country. That's how we got, you know, stand your ground laws. These people are not just willing to destroy America in order to increase their own wealth and power. They are enthusiastic about it. That's what's going on right now, Bob. Well, well, why, why aren't we, the masses, talking now and, and uh, espousing the, the idea that, that in October, come October, right before the election, they'll do everything that we want to have done just to sway the, the, the audience over, and, and then it'll be over. I don't understand what Bob, thank you for the call. I think the bottom line here is that, you know, we have to recognize, we have to acknowledge, we have to realize, you know, what the hell is going on here. You've got the Republican Party and Rona McDaniel or whatever her name is, Rona Romney McDaniel uh, tweeting this morning, you know, uh, they're going to do ballot harvesting, Democrat, you know, with vote by mail. We've been voting by mail. There you have five states in the United States where it's entirely vote by mail. And one of them is Oregon. Jeff in Portland, you vote by mail, don't you, Jeff? What's up? Uh, I do, Tom. Good morning. Um, you started the show riffing about how we need to overwhelmingly turn out in November. And, of course, Biden's campaign, the platform, and his choice for VP are going to largely determine that. I don't know if you saw it, but on Friday, James Clyburn was emphasizing to uh, Judy Woodruff that he'd like to see an African-American woman on the Supreme Court and diversity in Biden's cabinet, putting those as a priority over who uh, Joe chooses for VP. Uh but, right. Tom, when it comes to the issues and the VP pick, um, Medicare for All, Green New Deal, Black Lives Matter, cannabis legalization all pull extremely well in our party and generate great enthusiasm. So, in my opinion, um, if we want to activate the people who are going to get the people to get out and vote, it just makes sense to have a progressive running mate. And as Heather McGee told Chuck Todd yesterday, uh, a new poll shows that person, a new poll from Avalanche shows that person to be Elizabeth Warren. Tom, don't we need a progressive like Warren to generate? that excitement i think we do joe but you know i'll take anybody right now anybody um except a republican scotty in st louis missouri hey scotty what's on your mind today good morning or afternoon wherever you are um i was struck by a comment of dr frank basically he was talking about psychological disorder and i've been trying to bang the gong about the fact that we are not in any kind of equilateral disagreement in politics. We are in a situation where a bunch of people see reality and other people have a cognitive disorder. And I was trying, I noticed a situation some years ago that illustrates one device of this. When uh, you might recall, 
when Rush Limbaugh gained a little infamy, I think it was four or five years ago, um, talking about contraception, con, uh, contraception in uh, school health programs, and this woman got in conspicuous trouble saying she wanted to keep it, and Rush Limbaugh called her a slut and insulted oh, yeah. her, her, her virtue and integrity Isn't and made Sandra her Bland? think about it. No, no, Sandra Bland was uh, a victim, uh, you know, of, of the police. Uh, I'm forgetting the woman's name, but anyway, yes, continue. I'm yeah, sorry. me too. Yeah, the, the, to illustrate the point, though, it was more about what happened then was that you got a bunch, oh, it's a bunch of Republican candidates. It was early 2016, maybe, when this thing came, became relevant, saying, oh, no, I wouldn't say anything like that. I mean, God, that's just not nice to say. But it sure is an issue that they have contraception in, in, in school health programs and colleges. And all of a sudden, I right. sat back and said, wait a minute, we just saw the limbo limbo. How low can you go? Okay, right. what you got is is uh, he he makes this outrageous proposition, and then he sets up all these pol politicians who can then back off slightly, and sound sane, still talking crazy. Yeah, what yeah, and by the that? way, it was Sandra and Fluke. This goes on uh, this this device. I see. I'm seeing replicated on a, on a daily and weekly. Yes, day. what what you are looking at, Scotty, is contagious psychosis. Some forms of mental illness, particularly those associated with thought disorders, are actually contagious, particularly the ones that travel through cultures. In fact, I would argue that war is a, former, a form of psychosis. People are catching it from Trump. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's up? Hey, not too much, Tom. I just want to say in a post-Trump America, we need to cut our reliance on executive power. And when I say we, I'm obviously talking about the 63 million people that voted for Trump, but I'm also talking about liberals as well. I thought about this when I saw a Forbes article that disassembled the myth that Trump is good for the stock market. Trump was actually pretty far down on the list right above Jimmy Carter. And it made me think we need to return to a Carter-era America where Congress has more responsibility and more authority. And I mean, there's there's, right. there's many examples. Also, when I was in Iraq, uh, the you know the the Iraqis, we did a, a survey. The Iraqis found George Bush and Parvez Musharraf, two of the great leaders of the world, because they were strong. Okay, that's all well and good, but it's not American. All right, we're not supposed to have right. a, an authoritarian leader. And the other thing is, for instance, um, I, no one's talking about it, but Donald Trump. It's talking about resuming nuclear weapons testing while simultaneously he pulled us, unilaterally pulled us out of the open skies treaty, which would prevent an accidental nuclear war. So you think about that nuclear testing while taking away the safeguard for an accidental nuclear war. And nobody's even questioning that. You see what I'm saying? Right. We need Donald to get Trump away is from doing everything he can and has been for three and a half years, literally. I mean, quite literally. I mean, this is not a metaphorical statement. He is doing everything within his power at multiple levels to destroy this country, to destroy our reputation, to destroy our government, to destroy the institutions of our government, to destroy our faith in a democratic republic. He is doing everything he can to destroy this republic. The only question, there's no doubt about that. There's no disputing that. The question, and I asked this last week and we had a conversation about it, is why? You know, is he doing this because he's dancing to the tune of some other government or a collection of other governments? Is he doing this because he's an oligarch and he's in with the other international oligarchs? 
oligarchs and they like oligarchy and they hate democracy. So he's doing it to help destroy democracy all around the world. He's throwing in with Orban and Modi and Duda and, and uh, you know, et cetera. Or is he doing it because he's just pissed off at America because fewer people showed up for his inauguration than for Barack Obama's? And broadly speaking, he's not loved and popular in this country. Or is it all of the above? I'm leaning toward all of the above, but who knows? So. Yeah, I think it's kind of all of the above. But plus, I think Donald Trump, I mean, as much as we hate to admit it, was intelligent enough to recognize, because of the economic conditions under an oligarchy, that Americans are vulnerable. We want to be told. At least he knew that 63 million people want to be told that everything is okay from a familiar face. They want to see a white guy up there. I mean, I hate to be crude about it, but an elder white guy, patriarchy, to assure us that tomorrow is going to be better, even though there's no evidence. There's no evidence. That's what I'm saying. The lie about him being so good for the stock market. How's your 401k? That's what uh, conservatives always say. But it's a lie. He's right above Jimmy Carter. Uh, William Jefferson Clinton had the best stock market performance. Of any pre- I mean, according right. to Forbes, according to Forbes. Yeah, yeah. I would think uh, FDR would have spectacular stock market performance. <laughs> go back and check out the article. Maybe, I maybe where FDR was. Yeah, maybe the study didn't go back that far. And and you know, different people use different metrics. But the bottom line is that you know, Donald Trump was handed a growing economy from Barack Obama. This is the second time in the last twenty years that a Republican has totally screwed the economy. George W. Bush did it in two thousand eight. And Barack Obama had to pick up the pieces and put the country back together. Donald Trump is doing it right now. And Joe Biden is going to have to step in and pick up the pieces. You know, and onward we go. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. 
Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Marty in uh, Seattle. Hey, Marty, what's up? I'm just confounded by the Republicans' approach to a convention this year. I just don't understand what the point is having no media there. They're supposed to be transparent. Well, I think they've walked back on that. Trump was just trying to punish the media. I mean, (laughs) there's no other way to describe it. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if something, this is the thing, you have to go back and you look at that window of time, you know, that, say, six hours on either side of it, window of time, what stories were percolating at that moment when Trump said, oh, we're not going to have media at the, at the RNC? Because by talking about the media, he knows that the media will focus on that story. And it was the media instead at that moment focusing on something, you know, Michael Cohen writing his new book about all Trump's criminality or Deutsche Bank deciding that they're going to investigate Trump's personal banker. There's a bunch of stuff that was happening around the time that that happened. I don't remember the specifics, but that's the kind of thing that Trump would say, not because he actually intends to do it, but because he's trying to derail the news cycle for 24 hours. He's the master at this. He's been doing this since the 1970s. This has literally been his principal business strategy his whole entire life. Yeah, he's the master of disaster. Yeah, there you go. Marty, thanks for the call. Alfred in Miami. Hey, Alfred, what's up? Why is Trump doing this, dismantling all the regulations? Like, who is Mm -hmm. behind this all? And I have to say, it's it's got to be Steve Bannon, which we all know about anyway. But when you watch The Great Divide from Frontline, and then you watch more of his YouTube interviews, you see that he's really clear on saying he wants to dismantle the United States because the corruption is so large and the institutions have become failures that he feels the only way we could do get better is to completely restart. I mean, he makes right. It he clear, said, "Deconstruct the administrative funny. state" was his phrase. Yeah. And he's he's got together with this guy called Kyle Bass, who's on CNBC all the time. He's a hedge fund guy. He's just going into China and how we just have to totally dismantle that arrangement, trade agreements and everything. And you have him on that front and Steve Bannon on the other front. And these guys have a lot, you know, they're in the, the media all the time. So it's not even like they're fringe conspiracy theorists. And, you know, and we all know Trump with conspiracy theories. So that's got to be the reason why he's doing all this. It may well be. It makes a certain amount of sense. Alfred, thank you. And by the way, let's just acknowledge this is a fundamentally anti-American agenda that these Republicans have adopted. David in San Francisco. Hey, David, what's up? You know, since you're a ham and understand satellites and everything, I just have a simple question. On November 3rd, could Trump shut down the Internet for a couple hours without revealing 
what happened and that it was him. You know, just to kick over the anthill, just to disrupt things so that he could um, contest it. I don't think that Trump could, but there's little doubt in my mind that China, Russia, Saudi Arabia, some of the countries that have, you know, the money, the resources and the uh, North Korea, possibly lack of internal accountability. In other words, nobody's going to stop them or hold them accountable. Uh, You know, any one of those countries may well be able to. You're thinking that that would be the uh, event that would cause the disruption that would allow Trump to proclaim he won or something? Just to disrupt things, even if it was only for a few hours. And that was my exact thought that, you know, the world is like a three-legged oligarch stool and Trump's up for re-election. So it would behoove China and Russia to help him out with this. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And there is evidence that both those countries very much want him reelected. David, thank you for the call. Dennis in Aptos, California. Hey, Dennis, what's up? Yeah, I've been sitting here thinking about ways that the process of moving mail can keep going without it being slowed down much. And one of the things I was wondering is I myself, and I'm sure millions of other people, pay each bill by mail. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have the opportunity to do it online instead. I rarely ever do, or even go into, a, uh, go into an office, which my water company is two miles away from me. The other thing is I was wondering, you know, again, this maybe would be individual post offices. Is there a way that people could go in and volunteer a few hours, stick mail in yeah. P.O. boxes, There's not. Before you can put your hands on somebody's mail, you have to go through the civil service exam. You have to go through Mm. a background check. You have to go through all the whole song and dance that people have to go through in order to get hired by the post office. And then you have to be trained. So, no, the post office, you know, would not be able to accept volunteers, which Mm. is unfortunate, but, you know, makes a certain amount of sense. What we need to do is be calling. And Dennis, thank you for the call. Every single one of us, you need to be calling your members of Congress. You have one member of the U.S. House of Representatives and two senators, unless you live in D.C., in which case you just had Ellen Arms Norton. But you need to be calling all three of those people and saying, I am really concerned that the mail is slowing down. Do something. The number for the switchboard at Congress is 202-224-3120. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Lulu in Seattle. Hey, Lulu, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. I uh, wanted to talk about Russian interference in the election. And Mm -hmm. um, what I wanted to talk about is looking at Putin possibly having a two-pronged plan, one for trying to get Trump elected, but also a plan, and I think this is the bigger one, of when he loses. I think Putin is not solely here to, you know, try and get Trump to win. Um, in a tweet by Natasha Bertrand and Chris Murphy yesterday, uh, counterintel chief Evanina was saying that there's Russian assets in the United States to disrupt the election. But it's my thought that they're not here solely here to just disrupt the election, that they're here to infiltrate our grids and so further division and racial hatred to find our weaknesses and exploit them in preparation for when Trump loses the election. I really believe the Russians are playing the long game here and that Russia really considers themselves at war with us actively right now, and this is how they're going about it. And I wanted to hear your thoughts about that. I, th- I think you're probably right on all counts, Lulu. And the, the, the one 
Um, the one qualification I would make to it is that I think that we do ourselves a disservice when we think it's only Russia doing this. This is uh, mm -hmm. Seth Abramson wrote this brilliant book, Proof of Conspiracy. Um, it's like 800 pages. I mean, it's just a it's a tome, but boy, is it in detail. And he goes into considerable detail about how in the 2016 election, um, you know, Russia interfered in our elections in ways that we all know about. They were, you know, they were indicted by by uh, Mueller's team and, you know, et cetera, all that that stuff. But uh, Abramson also describes how there was interference in the U.S. election coming out of Israel. There was interference in the U.S. election mm -hmm. coming out of Saudi Arabia. There was interference in the U.S. election coming out of China. And I'm guessing this time around it might even be North Korea. I mean, there's a bunch of autocrats all, you know, maybe Erdogan's Turkey, autocrats all over the world have a stake in seeing Donald Trump take down democracy in the United States. If America ceases to be the country that stands up for, for democratic values that we historically have been and becomes an autocratic state itself, from their point of view, that's a great thing because that's the end of democracy all around the world and they don't have to deal with that. So, Lulu, thank you for the call. Spot on. Evelyn in Alexandria, Louisiana. Hey, Evelyn, what's on your mind? Hi. As a veteran, we get medication that is that must be kept at a temperature that's kept mm -hmm. cooled and refrigerated, and it comes from a distribution center. Uh, it doesn't come from the local VA. It can come from, say, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And mm -hmm. if it's not kept at that temperature when you get it, you can't reuse that medication. You can't use it. You have mm -hmm. to discard it. So that's a big concern with not having the post office deliver your medication on time. And that affects the quality of your life and the quality of your health care. So not having that postal system in place where they're delaying it or not delivering it on time affects our nation's veterans who defended and upheld the Constitution of the United States of America that helped to keep us free. Wow. Evelyn, you know, thank you for, for the call. Thank you for your service, and thank you for pointing that out. That's, you're, you're absolutely right, and that's pretty breathtaking when you think of it in those terms. Thank you. Brian in Granville, Michigan. Hey, Brian, what's up? Hi, Tom. I'm concerned. I just don't feel like the the Democratic Party is taking seriously the threats to our election right now. Um, I mean, several you hear people on shows and they're asked questions about it, and they all talk about just getting out the vote. And you know, what do we do when the exit polls show 15 percent difference between that and, and the official and what the election official results are? Yeah. 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 We need to be on, on the alert for redshift and, you know, and hopefully <laughs> knock wood, the Democrats are on this. Actually, you know, the last time Tom Perez was on this program and, and I'm not sure he's going to come back because I really pushed him hard, but we'll see. In any case, um, you know, he, he pointed out that they, they are hiring battalions of lawyers to get ready for this. And, and okay. you know, and that's pretty much. Go ahead. My question is, how many lawyers does it take to stop Kristallnacht? Right. Right. Well, Kristallnacht and and the election are two different things, uh, you know, and Kristallnacht. I mean, I think they thought that that was going to be Portland. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll see. But I, I it seems to me, Brian, that the the, uh, the biggest concern here is is, uh, you know, Trump, Trump doing something, and thank you for the call, Brian, Trump doing something truly outrageous between now and 
the election, and then the, the second period, which is actually a period of greater danger for this republic, is the period from November 3rd, when we flushed the, you know, whatever, till January 20th, at, when at noon Donald Trump has to be escorted out of the White House. Anyhow, thanks so much for being with us today. Democracy is not a spectator sport, as Bernie Sanders said on the show for years and years and years, and Barack Obama has said more than once, President Obama. I will tell you, too, it's not a spectator sport. It requires you, so get out there, get active, tag, you're it. Be good to yourself and the people around you, please. It was a tough time. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 